For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offers the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com slash apply. That's Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. Welcome to the Cinema Gold Show with your host, Larry Lease. From the small screen to the big screen, we cover all the latest entertainment news. Join us on your favorite podcast platform or on YouTube every weekday. Welcome to an all-new episode of the Cinema Gold Show. I'm your host, Larry Lease. Today we're diving into our review of the Loki Episode 6 season finale, as well as giving our review of Space Jam New Legacy. So join us as we dive into these topics and more. Marvel's Loki Episode 6 is a triumphant season finale that's low on action, while the stakes are nail-bitingly high. Our first main topic is our review of Loki Episode 6. If you thought Marvel's Disney Plus shows were done with contact homages after Monica Rambeau's transformation in WandaVision, you thought wrong. The Loki season finale, for all time always, opened with another one. We heard iconic dialogue from other MCU films, including Vision's What is grief, if not love, persevering? Which went from a heartbreaking utterance to an instant meme earlier this year. As we pulled out from Earth and its blistering sun, and outward toward the citadel at the end of time, where he who remains, very old king, resides. But not before we were joined by the likes of Neil Armstrong, Greta Thunberg, and Nelson Mandela. Finally, we heard Sylvia calling out to Loki, open your eyes. She'd go on to say variations of the same plea throughout this episode. What makes a Loki a Loki? Mischief, lies, revenge... Our Loki experienced a breakthrough when it came to these quirks and failings and seemed resolved to make better choices. Sylvie? Yeah, not so much. Sylvie only saw lies and felt revenge for her own pain and the suffering of myriad variants as she sought the destruction of the TVA and ultimately the rebirth of the multiverse. I found myself just as much on her side as I was on Loki's and the creators of the show did a great job to get me there. Because Loki, King, and Sylvie all had valid points to make while arguing about whether to kickstart the infinite possibilities of the multiverse. Once you open that box, it's not easy to close, existentially or narratively. But we knew a multiverse madness was on the horizon, and that Sylvie was probably going to be the winner of this particular argument. The Loki season finale reaped the benefits of getting most of its big action out of the way, 
in the penultimate episode's battle against Olioth. And I felt no disappointment that for all time always had about half an hour of exposition in store. We started this thing by absorbing a ton of exposition, and that's how we were going to bloody finish it. This time, however, it was exposition I absolutely yearned for. And Jonathan Majors King was there to deliver it in spades as I hung on his every word. How good was Majors as King, though? I found him to be an instantly terrific addition to the MCU. Despite his villainous appearance being signposted for quite a while in the staggered timeline, King at least appeared to be a thoughtful, clever, fairly amiable, and quite casual man who chuckled his way through an inevitable and dangerous come up uppance. But there are other versions of Kings out there who aren't quite so pleasant to deal with. And I'll almost certainly be meeting at least one of them in the upcoming Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. I suspect we may run into him again before that. But Majors has a unique chance to put in a completely different performance as King every time we see him. It seemed fitting that when we finally met King, he was eating an apple. A symbol of knowledge, immortality, temptation, the fall of man, and sin. Lucky has played with, with all of these themes definitely throughout its run, and continued to do so in this episode. The Wizard of Oz and Charlie the Chocolate Factory vibes were still running strong in the finale. As King explained to Loki and Sylvie that he was tired and had decided that they were the perfect people to take over his majestic reign of the sacred timeline. And it all made for a definite improvement on the Matrix, Matrix reload, Reloaded similar but legendarily confusing architect encounter by actually making sense in a clear, effective, and right way. It takes a lot to write Loki into a place where he plays a fairly innocent pawn in a chess game that he has no idea how to play, especially after we've seen him be several moves ahead in other MCU outings. But to have him be the voice of reason in that scenario was quite something. I may not have completely bought into the romance between Loki and Sylvie, but I did buy into the essential ways that they were too different to trust each other when push comes to shove. Kang managed to give Renslayer a bite of the apple before he met the end of Sylvie's sword by passing on some key knowledge through Miss Minutes. Renslayer and King are heavily connected in the comics, even becoming romantically involved at several points. So we can probably expect to see them on screen together in the future, now that she has ditched Mobius and the TVA and set out on her own quest. As Sylvie defied Loki, so Renslayer defied Mobius. But hey, that's free will for you. That's pretty gutted to find out during the episode's Planet of the Apes cliffhanger that Mobius doesn't remember Loki, and that their friendship is now entirely one-sided. But I trust that these two will reconnect at some point. I can only assume that Owen Wilson will return for Loki Season 2, and that assumption is just one thing keeping me happy right now as I bid goodbye to Loki for a while. I enjoyed watching every episode of this series, but I'm glad that in the Season 1 finale, we not only got answers, but actually saw one of the Disney Plus shows dare to impact the MCU in a major way. Far beyond the kind of personal character and power development we saw with Wanda and Sam. Yes, the multiverse has returned, and we have no idea what madness lies ahead. Only that a war beyond our wildest nightmares with King at the center of it is coming. Couldn't be more excited to find out what happens next, or how Loki and the rest of the MCU will play their parts as Phase 4 unravels. 
And now our second topic is Star Wars The Bad Batch Episode 12. Our review of Rescue on Ryloth. Rescue on Ryloth follows the Bad Batch on a daring mission to save Hera and her family. Warning spoilers ahead for Episode 12 of The Bad Batch. Well, look at that. It's a two-parter after all. The Bad Batch takes a bit more of a front role in their own show as they reluctantly help out and rescue on Ryloth. The show still feels too entwined with everything else in Star Wars to have mass appeal. But this episode in particular learned more from Rebels than from the Clone Wars in terms of giving characters the time to talk to one another and allow, allowing beats to sink in between all the action. I almost hoped last week's episode was a one-off. Just one story in an anthology, but I'm at the same time happy to see these characters back. It helps that everyone in this arc is just so charming. Twi'lek, Freedom Fighters, Cham, and Eleni have been captured after the faked assassination of their senator. Their daughter Hera calls Omega, who convinces the Bad Match, to help, despite Hunter's disinterest. Meanwhile, Clone Captain Hauser continues to have doubts about the Empire, but can't bring himself to act on them. There was a lot of conversation in the fandom over the last week about whether Hauser's control chip was malfunctioning, or whether his doubt came from his personality and or friendship with the Sindolas. And well, more on that later. I like that the entire Bad Batch gets time to talk through their plans and air their opinions in this episode, which was refreshing. At the same time, the event of their position is grating. After all, these aren't proto-rebels. Instead, they're still shocked that the Empire would treat a citizen planet the way that Republic treated a separatist one. I don't mind the one-sided approach to soldiery, per se, since it fits the characters' perspectives. In addition, viewers are supposed to know that Batch aren't entirely in the right here. After all, Hunter thinks the job is too hard and refuses to help the citizens, even when Hera wants to pay him double. Omega's appeal to family is tested, and it's only when she pushes that the Batch gets involved. But the amount of work some conversations or even gestures and postures do in this episode was its major unique strength. Even the rather generic Admiral Rampart looks tired and distracted at one point. There's also time to develop a little bit of a dynamic between Hauser and Crosshair, who's on Rampart's bad side because his methods haven't been effective. That was also a nice reminder of the larger stakes. Remember, Crosshair is the Kaminoan's proof that investing in clones is worth the Empire's money. Last week, we saw fans on Twitter giggling over the reluctant Captain Hauser, who, well, is a very handsome clone. His closeness with the Sindolans show his moral center. One, his control chip either doesn't affect or for some reason can't touch. Their conversation isn't revolutionary, but there's at least some stuff to unpack when it comes to the argument between Hauser and Rampart. I have mixed feelings about the episode's utter disinterest in whether Hauser's choice to act on his doubts is purely from the heart or has something to do with his control chip. After all, the answer has implications for Crosshair. The ambivalence toward which you all know, I believe, has been a weak point in the show from the beginning. To me, the movies seem to say the clone's control chips kicked in mostly when Palpatine invoked Order 66 in particular, 
but Hauser's feelings seem to suggest a good portion of Crosshair's loyalty to the Empire. In the aftermath of the Clone Wars, is actually of his own free will. Is Hauser's decision all natural? I'm not quite sure, but the question and the dynamic between the three Imperials were fun. The last ten minutes of the episode feature a decent series of action scenes in true Star Wars finale fashion. They're impressive for the way they intertwine the tension around Hauser's attempt to sway other clones against the Empire. And for a particularly heart-wrenching occasion, here is first fight, flight. I adore that she was clearly over-enthusiastic, but competent. However, this episode doesn't quite balance its main characters with the Twi'lek plot as well. Since Hunter legitimately doesn't have any skin in this game, his team's job is less grounded in the plot and setting than Hera's or Hauser's. There's one major exception to the batch, mostly taking a backseat. Shout out to Tech, who doesn't have a ton of depth, but does just happen to be the trope in the five-man band I enjoy. His lack of emotion and nerd interest are usually portrayed as useful, but a bit off-putting even to his brothers. He doesn't have any less characterization or competence than, say, Echo, but usually sticks to a side role, so it was especially satisfying to see him do some fancy flying this episode. Slowing a ship around at nearly a dead stop so Record could take the shot. The other nice thing about this episode is that it doesn't go for shot. It's hopeful in the end, pulling some characters out of the fire while making the viewer tense against the burn. It's already been established in canon that Hera's mother doesn't survive the early years of the Rebellion. But I'm glad not to have watched her die today. While the show continues to fe feel inessential, the last two weeks have been very entertaining. It also managed to pack a lot of answers to the central question in the show, what happened to the clones after Order 66? It's turning out to be a hard question to answer, and at best, like today, it feels realistic instead of inconclusive. The answer might end up being that a lot of different things happened, and a lot of different people worked according to their interests. Rescue on Ryloth ends with Crosshair off the leash, further tying a mostly standalone episode to the wider story. Final topic, our review of Space Jam A New Legacy. It's impossible to watch Space Jam A New Legacy without comparing it to the original 1996 Space Jam. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.